Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. <laughs> Another beautiful day on the Victor Bravo Golf Course. The sun is shining, the birds are about, and there's a sudden pause in the crowd. Michael Michelson steps up to the tee box. 15th hole here, drivers recommended. <laughs> oh, is he a caveman? Because he's suddenly clubbed up on. What do you reckon, George? <laughs> I mean, did he hit that with the dictionary? Because that was a terrible read. <laughs> G'day and welcome. This is Golf. Andrew Dado is my name. This is one of the great days, like one of the truly great days, because I spent some time with Charlie Earp. Now, for those of you who know Charlie, and I guess if you're listening to this, you will, he is one of the true legends of Australian sport, uh, one of our greatest coaches. He was famously the coach for Greg Norman, but also Wayne Grady. He had Carrie Webb, uh, Corinne Dibner, uh, and numerous others, amateurs, professionals, uh, and he's just got a stack of stories. So he sat down at Royal Queensland Golf Club before the Australian Hickory Championships kicked off, of which he's a patron, and just talked about him and his life, and um, and it was magic, a truly magic discussion. So this is Charlie Earp, and we started where we always start, which is how did you get into golf? How did, the, how did you get into golf? Where did it begin for you? Because I know you came in from the country, went to the Gold Coast, footy and cricket were your things. How did golf find you? Golf found me through a very lovely lady, Shirley Stokes, who's my age and in, uh, in school with me. And, uh, and I'd finished school and my mother took me up to uh, Southport to have an uh, interview with the headmaster and he said, I'll do the talking and he can talk. Mrs. Earp, you can listen. Oh, and, uh, this is the headmaster said this. This is the headmaster said. So he asked me all these questions and picked my brain and he said, well, I don't think we need your, you sort of people here at the school. We're more academic. <laughs> so I thought, well, I've got the flick. <laughs> What school was that? That was Southport High School. From a high school? (laughs) Well, I I went through a scholarship and I failed it. Yeah, okay. Because I was too busy playing football and cricket. Yeah. And I used to play twice. I played the seven stone sevens and then the six stone sixes all in one afternoon. And uh, then I had a paper run I had to do and then I used to work, do the trays around the Capitol Theatre and the Empire Theatre over at Tweed Heads. Right. So you had a work ethic from the very beginning. Yeah, and then I worked for Jack Evans, the shark bag, and uh, so I'm a very, very lucky person. Mm-hmm. So then Shirley said to me, why don't you, no, you're going to get a job? Well, so I'm going to do something. I've had plenty of opportunities. And she said, why don't you go and see Reg Want? And Reg Want did his apprenticeship here at Royal Queensland Golf Club. So uh, I rode my bike out. How old were you? About 15, 14 or 15. And uh, he said, yeah, I've heard a bit about you. But he's looking at people <laughs> like Barry, Barry Muir. And that was the first time I'd been on a golf course. So I got there and I thought, oh, this is a bit like I should have horses on this place. And, uh, 
and cattle. And uh, so he said, right up, he said, you want to have a go? I said, well, might as well, I've got to have a go. I'm going to have to go something because my mother knocked, knocked it on the head that Freddie Best from over the road here, who's a horse trainer, uh, and he was he's going to get me a job as a jockey. And my mother said to me, over my, well, dead, not, yeah. over my dead body, yeah, you're well, not being a, a jockey. And yeah. so I said, oh, OK, sir. How tall are you? I'm five foot seven. Mm. That's in low heel shoes. <laughs> but I've shrunk a bit. I've, I've shrunk a bit. Okay. And uh, in, in every department of the body, including my wallet. And uh, <laughs> so I... Uh, he said, well, I'll come down and see your parents. So I said, right up. So I rode back over to, over to Kira and uh, from Killingella Tweed. And then he explained what a golf professional and what I had to, what he's supposed to do. And, but you uh, hadn't played yet. I'd never been on a golf course. Right, so how do you, how can you be a, how can you even think about being a, a golf professional having not been on a golf course? Well, I was the top of the qualifying to start with. Because I didn't have any brains to think that way anyhow. <laughs> so, yeah. but anyway, and I'd seen the golf course because we had a, a farm out of Closeburn, out Sanford, and that, that, that way, and I saw the 11th hole and the 12th hole at Capira Golf Club. That's the only thing I'd seen on the golf course. And I'm not the only one. Frank Phillips did the same, not Frank Phillips, Kel Nagel did the same thing, so Johnny Collins went from, you know, the way that they might have done a bit of caddying, but... Me, second day I was on a golf course was when I started being an apprentice. But you, you like, you were a very good golfer. No. Yes. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, I later you, on. You yeah, became a good one. golfer. Yeah, I did. Right. Yeah. So did you fall in love with it straight away? Well, it, it, it ate into my brain. And it, and the, the good things, but I, that's, I was mixed up with the lovely people. Reggie, Reggie Want, who was brought up by these people in this club, mm. and Alfie Rush, who was a... Uh, uh, a great uh, to me, he was an SP bookie. <laughs> so colourful, learned, uh, colourful character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was on the right track. Yeah. So, to, to learn what about horses were and all that sort of stuff, and from, from, that was going to be with Freddie Best. But anyhow, I started, and I never had any money. Or of course, I never had a razzo. I just uh, got my, my, got my trade boys and all that stuff at the theatre and everything, and. So I went in there and I, I used to go to work in a pair of swimming dogs. I had a shirt on and everything, but mm. Reggie wanted to, he said, hey, you've got to get dressed properly. Yeah. And anyhow, he did all that sort of stuff at training. Okay. And he, uh, and, and, and the people at Killingata Twitter's Golf Club, and as it got going, they really helped me a lot and I was a very, very lucky person. Okay, you're lucky, but you're also you were good. So you had a natural affinity for swinging a golf club, hitting a ball. Well, I don't know. I just but all the horse riding and that. I don't understand the horse playing golf and all that. Just <laughs> to ride the bloody cow home too. Instead of if I didn't have the horse, I'd, you know, just to get the cows in. And then I on a surfboard and in, in the surf down there at Kira. But I had that uh, bat and ball sense. And and really, what happened? But when I came from Mullumbar which we where we lived just after the play school up at Crystal Creek, I was in sixth class and when I came to Queensland, they had the third highest education system in the British Empire. Wow. Well, the second highest. And I was taken from sixth class into third grade and I was still behind the eight ball and that's why I lent, my mind went on to, play this, I'm going to, I went into doing what, into sport, football and tennis and all that sort of stuff. And I... Uh, and that's why I think I bat and ball sense with Reg and with everybody coming together to it that I had that sort of that thing that was inside me that... And the competitive... I mean, obviously, <laughs> great hand-eye coordination, but also yeah. the competitive... Competitive, because I got that from football. Yeah. And, of course, my mates... And I, AFL? I didn't play AFL. I had a couple of guys that I didn't... Because I knocked around with these, uh, these people down, down the coast. There wasn't any... this all... Rugby League or yeah, Rugby yeah. Union, and yeah. I didn't have much to do with AFL, and much as I love the game. So you gave up a promising playing career, golfing career, to be the pro at RQ? No, Lismore. Oh, Lismore first. I went to Lismore, and I was 19 years of age. Right. 
So no, that's no, young no. to be the head pro, isn't it? Yes. But I, well, there wasn't that many pros around. And I was, again, I was lucky because uh, was after the war, sort of the early 50s, <clears throat> and 58 I went there, and uh, and then they, when they wanted to resurrect the RQ, they rang Reg and asked him if he'd come to back to Royal Queensland. He said, well, the family's down there. He said, nobody said, can I recommend somebody? And he was very good, and he recommended me and I came up here and sat around this table in the middle of Brisbane with all these my coats and ties and things and uh, <laughs> and all the leading men of Brisbane. Yeah. My dad dozen of them and So how old were you then? Twenty. I yeah. just turned I hadn't turned twenty then. Okay, so you yes I had and I was just because I started in December. Right. So you're twenty years old and you're the head pro at Royal Queensland, which is unheard of. I probably, but I, mean, it, it, I didn't worry about anything like that. It's, it, I just got, I got on with the job sort of thing. And and when I did get here, it was off-season and there wasn't anybody around except the original uh, chairman, old Lou Bond. He was still swaddling, waddling around a couple of holes. Yeah. And I can recall very strongly uh, the chap called uh, Bob Edwards, who was a great supporter of one of the, uh, I don't know, was he an inaugural member or, or not, but anyhow, he said to me, you're a very lucky fellow <laughs> to be the pro of this role. And I said, yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. yeah nothing. What the hell so am what I going need? Right. So what did you have? Like, obviously, I mean, you hadn't been at Lismore very long. You hadn't been, you'd done your traineeship. What did you have as a as a pro, as a coach that was so good back then? I, again, I was lucky. I had a memory, a photo memory. Okay. I could see, and I could see the fault. But everybody can see a fault. you got a slice of flying, all this sort of stuff where you're not telling you. But you, to be, I could see the fault, the, 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 the thing that would fix up the person and not have them worried about their faults, the, the, the positive, the positiveness of being like Tony and how to get back. And I'm and very fortunate. I remember playing for uh, caddying for Gary Player. No, caddying for Bobby Locke down you know, at Tweed when mm. they played an exhibition match. And Gary said to me, "Do you want to be a tour player?" And I said, "Cool, that's what I'm doing. I'm bitching to get into that." He said, "Well, he said I just been there with Mr. Hogan." And uh, <laughs> right. Mr. Hogan, that's good enough for me. There's Mr. Hogan as far as I was concerned too, yeah. and Mr. Sneed and uh, mm. all these, and Mr. Thompson and Mr. Von Arder and and, uh, and he said, "But you, what do you play off?" I said, "Well, I'm off, I'm off one handicap now," and uh, he said, "Well, practice from eighty yards into the hole." All short game. That's where you, that's where you win tournaments. And so that uh, after a while, I uh, my, my mind went off playing, and I went on to the administration and uh, my job and the coaching, and yeah. I put on my power work. But I still had that urge. And today, at eighty-four years of age, I still got that urge yeah. to go and play okay. and and to play in tournaments. And imagine, like me, like this morning, I was watching that Spanish boy win the American Open, and it was there. Yeah, cheering on. Yeah, and, and serving. So that uh, that urge with all sports. Do you still play? Yeah, I do, but I don't play. Like I'm not playing in, in the event, the Australian Hickory, because I'm really I'm a nuisance because I've only got one eye now. Yeah. And I don't know whether it's gone along the ground and I, up in the air and left. Right. I have got an idea where it's gone, and then, but I can't see it. And I, I mean, I'm just a nuisance because I play with a lot of guys that are in their late seventies or early eighties, and they can't see either. <laughs> so we're out there for about a month yeah. trying to play around the golf. Um, you famously, I mean, you've worked with uh, well, Carrie Webb and Jason Day and. Uh, 
Wayne Grady, but probably most famously with Norman. So how important was was he in 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 that period through the eighties for your coaching career? Well, yeah, well, he 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 was he, he was magnificent, but I, 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 a lot of a lot of that before Greg arrived was Mike Ferguson. He he, he was such a simple and you know, wonderful hitter of the golf ball, and still is today. Mm. And uh, and a lot of the state team. Uh, members, and used to be the state coach, and uh, and I, again, lucky I was in that position where RQ had a decent practice fairway, which we put a lot of work into, and then uh, a lot of the other golf courses didn't have the practice fairway, and that's where, <laughs> where I yeah I, I, yeah I brought the people there here. Okay, so that's why the so state your state and national coach. In in, yeah. in your period, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I had, well, I was coach of the ladies and men, juniors and seniors. I was doing the whole four of them wow. at one time. And, uh, but it, we'd, on that old practice fairway up there, it was a bit like a horseshoe. It was just kids were right lined up all around there and like, we were through. Then I started the disabled and all that, and then the blind, and we had, uh, I used to bring the other boys in because I was a great believer and if I couldn't get through to somebody, I'd refer them to one of my one of my mates, over the Paul, Paul King who just passed away or Errol Harvickson or, or Robbie Gibson or somebody, or Barry Vassella, somebody who might have to teach is different to what I would teach. Yeah. Can, do, you, do you think everyone can be taught and fixed? I mean, I, I love that you said you, one of the things that you would find the positives in people's swings and be able to work that way. Is, is, that, the, is that what you think one of the secrets to the, the coaching game is? The co- secret to coaching is to keep it simple and uh, have your intention on the ball. But you get on the first tee and you yourself in a pro-am and all you do is cross yourself. <laughs> just anywhere in Australia, just land. That's all I want to do. Once I get away from all these people looking at me and everything. Yeah. I'm happy, and then you have bloody backsides going like that, and uh, <laughs> just got to get off. <laughs> just got to get you, off. And you don't worry about how you're swinging. All you're doing is looking at the bloody ball, yeah, and hitting the bar, mate. That's, that's all you really will worry about. Yeah. Then you get up there and say, "Now, then, what the pros say? Keep your left arm straight, elbow in, bum out, knee in there, and don't think about hitting the bloody ball." Right. But 20 minutes earlier, or 10 minutes or 15 minutes earlier, you were concentrating on getting off the tee. Mm. It, is, it is funny. So we had the foursomes yesterday and it was very serious for the first three holes. And I started, got the giggles because I knew that within three more holes, we're just going to be having a good time. Yeah. Knowing we're out of it or we're in it or whatever it is. But at the, always at the beginning, it's that. Yeah. And that's something you've got, got buffets like me sitting there, standing there looking at you, yeah. head off, you think, God, oh, hell, and. Yeah, it was interesting having you there. I'm going, oh, Charlie Herbs here, one of the greatest coaches of all time. Oh, shit. <laughs> Doesn't make a difference to the goal ball. It'll go where it wants to go. It's a good point. Norman, um, I was reading this morning, said that uh, you were instrumental in your din and dip theory. Yes, I and, that, and that literally changed his life. Yeah, it did. Well, I did, did a lot of the guys. And I was, I was talking to a guy on the phone just uh, late last week. I said, don't forget big. He said, what do you mean big? I said, B-I-G, bum into gear. Just do a big, bum into gear. And that's, what are you going to do? Do it. And if you, if you bug it up, well, if it doesn't work, you haven't lost anything. Mm. But you're giving it a go. And then with Greg, the, the din and dip, do it now, do it properly. Do it now, do it properly. And that's what he's done. And he's got about four or five hundred million, and yeah. he can't stay awake long enough to count his money. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, what was he like to um, to coach? Oh, he, he was easy to coach, but it's a bit like teaching Tullock how to run. Like Tommy Smith now had trouble teaching Tully Tullock how to run, right? And the same as you get all these great horses, or any of these great tennis players, it's easy to, easy to teach right labour. I mean, he was the same with the golf club. And so was Roy Emerson and, and, uh, and our football pals here. Uh, 
it's good material. And then I had a, a wonderful doctor, a magnificent man, but he had the coordination of the bird they call the elephant. <laughs> and he, he, he tried to play and he, he put buggy. He just, and I said, well, let's try somebody else because he, he just couldn't coordinate and he's had such a, he was a, he's a brain surgeon. And he ended up, he ended up playing croaky. <laughs> just because he couldn't be taught. Well, he it could, well, it could, it. could have been somebody else could have, if he, if he had if he'd have gone to somebody else. He might, we'd get going a bit, but I mean, being a brain surgeon, he wanted to be a scratch marker today. Yeah. So uh, he went home and played croquet, and he, he did well like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> did, um, so Norman, obviously, his work ethic was extraordinary. Same thing oh, for I Grady and Carrie Webb. And... You know, Carrie never spent much time with me. That's a, she'll tell you. Uh, she used to come away with us a couple of times and that, and always put, having a shot at me. But uh, Corinne Dibner, she won a British yeah. show, and Dale Reed, and, uh, and some of those young, young Sarah Smith or Sarah Jane. You know, was, a lot of those kids uh, sort of come from back in the 80s or 90s or something like that. And uh, But that, uh, they're all good, good, good people, wonderful people. And that Carrie Webb, tell you what, she was, she had. This is my tournament, and nobody's going to take it off me. Right, and that was her. That was, she's that's had that real streak of determination inside of her. And is that obviously that's part of? Well, what percentage of that is required to 90. to really succeed? Ninety, ninety percent, I think. As Donald Palmer said, it's eighty percent ability and twenty percent. But so I was giving, excuse me, dropping names here, but Alexander Murphy, who's a King's doctor and a Queen's doctor, when the Queen or the King were out here, and he, he, he was uh, telling me about exercise, and that we're having a conversation while he's having a lesson, and he, he said, "I think golf uh, that swimming is the best exercise you can have, Charles." <laughs> I said, well, "So, Alexander, can I just have a little word?" I said, "I think golf is because you're walking for." four hours and you're exercising every muscle in your body and you're using your brain. And he said, maybe so. But I said, the other thing is you exercise your brain so much trying to find another way to bugger up the shot. Right. So he says, he said, yeah, but swimming's the best exercise you can have. So being a knight and all that sort of stuff and wonderful man that I, I said, yeah, I had to agree with him. Yeah, what about um, Jason Day? I know that you did yeah. some work with him, and, and yeah, you know, and especially around that time when he was could, probably could have his life could have gone another way. Yeah, God, well, I I wasn't really I, I couldn't I, 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 yeah I helped him and then sort of it might have been something we said I don't know it might have been, we might have been discussing something that clicked for him, same as Adam Scott, yeah, and, and Andrew Buckle. Uh, all those young blokes and all those, and uh, he, he'd been unlucky, uh, Jay, uh, Jason Day, and uh, but he was a very kind boy, and uh, you know, things that happened to him in life, and uh, with his mother and fa- losing his father and his mm. mother, and, uh, and I was only talking to, talking about him yesterday uh, with Margaret, my wife, and uh, so uh, hopefully he comes back into the floor again. Yeah, yeah. 
um, you had a book called um, Charlie Teaches You Golf, The Simple Teaching Methods. So uh, how simple is, so like how simple is teaching? How simple should it be? Because it feels like we complicate it as golfers. Well, golf, it's, 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 it's such a mongrel game. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. It's just, it's just they try to get better, a bit like fishing. Uh, they've written books and books and books that doesn't make the fish bite any better. And it's only golf. And so, and, and so I say to people, it doesn't matter what you do, you'll find another way to beggar it up. Right. And, and so instead of keeping it simple, and like I was talking to a young fella last night, at di- we went out for dinner, and I, he said, I had trouble with my putting. I said, the biggest trouble with, with putting with, with all of us is we try to hit the ball in the hole. He said, aren't you supposed to do that? He said, no, you're supposed to hit it on the right line at the right pace. You do that, it goes in the hole. And he said, I've never heard that before. I've never heard that before. I've never heard that before. So if you look at that, and then we're all built different. We all think different. Mm. So when for coaching, I used to look at people, if they were walking over fast, I'd think, hello, this it's swinging, it's a quick swing of this day. Or somebody come running and wobbling around, thought, well, it would be pretty, very easy. All I had to get their mind going. And it's just trying, talking with them, trying to find out what's the best method, what's, what is the best method for these people. Yeah. And then they come along and their bank managers or their doctors or their solicitors or something like that, and they, they want to be a scratch on a tour player after 10 minutes. Yeah. And uh, instead of just playing the better. So just finding one or two things that for them to work on so what, what level of psychology then? So I, I would I would I would argue you're as much you're a golf pro slash psychologist, or on the verge of that because it's you're dealing with the brain and the way people are thinking really. Yeah, but yeah, but I don't think of psychology. I just think about it simple. Yeah, and I, and I get the great pleasure out of I get a, it's more pleasure out of them playing well than what they themselves do. Uh, and then it's an honour to be able to help somebody yeah. and play and enjoy their, their their time at the club or their time at the course or their time at with the, who they're, they're playing with. Mm. Have you had a... Um, I mean, obviously, you've had many highlights, but have, what are the things that you're most proud of? Or have you had, like, a best... Like, that day where you just go, oh, when, you know, like when Norman won one of the Opens or both of them or... You know, Graves wins the PGA. Or... Yeah, I just sort of take down. Really, I don't have any. And you know, just the, the the pleasure of helping people. I, I get as much pleasure out of helping somebody who's just started playing golf. Mm. And then you go up all this, there's Greg or Wayne or or, or Kari or, or Corinne or any of those. A lot of the girls from overseas used to come over, and just to see them, see them be relieved. Uh, and, and, and happier, I, I know in their attitude. So that is probably my my, great, my greatest feeling I get, of being able to help people or have the opportunity to be able to help people. Yeah. Because yeah. the, the chap said to me not long ago, he said, if you don't fix me up, I'm going up in that bridge up there and I'm going to jump over <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. So you did say something funny uh, when we met yesterday that someone's got a T-shirt saying I was... You wanted someone to wear a T-shirt saying I was not coached by Charlie. <laughs> oh, no, when they're playing bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they wear this shirt around. Charlie Earp teaches me. Yeah, so yeah. they won't go near him. <laughs> so... <laughs> they're, they're characters. They're, they're people... You know, I got that one guy here, um, big time, very was, he was at Carlton United and uh, Mike Pelly. And <laughs> when he's playing... But he gets around, he never, he's like a buddy, he's got this cat and stallion kick in him when he hits the ball, left leg goes up in the air, so he's, <laughs> hits the ball on, but he, then he said, he's a Zerby, I'm going to wear that shirt, you better. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyhow, but they're the things that relaxes the people. And, uh, yeah. And, and when you're playing bad, there's one thing, is you're always improving on your swearing vocabulary. <laughs> Um, do you 
what do you think of the state of the game now? So, you know, it's half a century and more in, in, in the game. Yeah. So you've seen a lot of change. That's it. I've got change in the club, manufacture of clubs, because man, the, the woman, have not changed their build to any great degree. They work out more and more muscly. And, uh, but we've had to lengthen the golf courses. Mm. So they hit the, this damn ball uh, 10 or 12 years ago, we were talking about it, and I'm talking to Nicholas about it, and, and he was he was harping on it about changing the ball and not having to go too far. Uh, because it, it is at the stage, and as I was saying it about 12 months ago, that we're going to have a tee near the first, near the new runway or the runway at uh, that Brisbane Golf Club, at the at Brisbane Airport, and the first green is going to be over in Alice Springs. <laughs> and then the next tee is going to be outside Alice Springs, and next green will be in Perth. Yeah. Then there'll be a water carry from Perth <laughs> to Johannesburg. Right. The way they yeah. Manufacturing golf clubs, and that somebody's got to try and get everybody together to, to uh, just be there because we won't have enough room on the planet to bloody build these golf courses. Mm. And and really, uh, you take tennis, so you can use the one ball, whether it's Slazen and Dunlops or some, sorry, but somebody else. But we've got all all these different firms that are sponsoring players and well, they're not going to have that because they want him. Mm, using their ball. Yeah, or their clubs. And so, uh, and the clubs have, uh, have uh, improved to a great degree, especially with these uh, aluminium or steel heads and that, and and the shaft. And uh, so, uh, what those people did with Greg and, uh, and Sam Sneed and those people did with the, with the woods over the years of magnificent and you take some of our Australian players, Ozzy Pickworth, gosh, anybody had a three wood like he could, or Peter Thompson or, or uh, Spanker, old oh, Vaughn. Mm. Um, they, they were really magnificent. Uh, do, do you think there was a, um, a golden period, in your mind, is there a golden period in the game where you sort of look back and go, I really think that late the, the late 70s or the 80s was the, was the time or...? I think in the... 19th century, really, I do, because those hickory shafted blokes as you guys are playing today, how they used to work that ball around the golf course. Yeah. And admittedly, it was shorter, and it was like, but you still had to play these shots. And uh, and you get the, the torque in the shaft, where you turn it that way, and then you, mm. the, the whip, and um, and had, they had to find the pace themselves. And when, when you look at um, the... Uh, Walter Hagen, when he got started the tour, and, and, and with our, our pal here, uh, this Australian guy who used to be with him, I can't think of his damn name, it's terrible, isn't it? And then we've got a PGA Cup yeah. named after him, Joe Kirkwood. Right. Dear old Joe. And he, he and uh, Walter Hagen, they used to start these exhibition matches off. And so he, Joe Kirkwood doesn't get the recognition that he should get. Now I had these trick clubs, and I donated them to the. They were given to me by Tyrrell Stafford, mm-hmm. but his his father had them because he worked with uh, with Joe Kirkwood, and and he uh, he gave them to Tyrrell. Then Tyrrell gave them to me. Then I gave them the PGA where they are. I hope they're in Sydney or I hope they're in Melbourne somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so for what Joe Kirkwood and Joe Kirkwood and Walter Hagen were the guys that really started the tour of what it is today. Okay. So from anywhere there with with um, Harry Varden and J.H. Taylor and all those wonderful players, and there's a club out there, I've got uh, Willie Parks uh, in the club and all those gentlemen, and especially their ladies who didn't sit down, they didn't cop it, they, they got their butts in the gear. Yeah. So from there to me, I, I, it's right through to today. Yeah. I just I think it's all a wonderful story about the game of golf. Okay, you started the Sunshine Tour, or you're I instrumental did. in the Sunshine yeah. Tour. So you'd be, that's yeah. unlucky. I started off the Pro Am sort of Monday because the kids didn't have anything to do. So I've got kind of an idea, and so this Pro Am of a Monday, put two quid in, 
And, and we take so much for the, for a purse for the trainee pros and the end of the pros are paid. And then there's trophy for the uh, amateurs and then green fee for the club. So everybody was getting something out of it. So that went along pretty good. And that was that was my idea. I got that and then, and then You'll cop the, that one. I'll cop that one. <laughs> then the other one, the, the Sunshine Circuit, Brent Orman came up with the idea. And I, I said to Ossie Walker, uh, who was a good player and, and he's proud of Pilly. And I said, oh, that's a good idea of Brent Orman's. He said, what's that? I said, like starting off a Sunshine Circuit, like they said, like, because Ben Hogan just had that film made of him and uh, not long, a few years back. And he said, eh, you think so, eh? I said, yeah. He said, well, if you think it's a good idea, you do it. Oh, that's OK. So anyhow, this new secretary we had, ex-school teacher, him and I, we got into it. And got, it was Brandon with Arnold Victorson, who was at Townsville, in Cairns. So we tried it off for three weeks. Well, it was... And then, of course, we had to give a clinic, and then we... This is where we had the kids. We got the kids and we had... And everybody used to go out and watch... Let's just do the clinic and... Yeah. Uh, and we got built that up. Then Paul King, made my old Harpixon, and these guys, all the players, and Aussie, he got into it too, and Doug Cat and so all these folks. Then we got the Sydney boys come up with us, then the Melbourne boys, and we started off in South Australia, then right up through the middle of Australia, and then back from Darwin into Mount Isa, over to New Guinea, and back down the east coast. And it's really going well. It's getting too big. I'd got out of it then, and but it's really been all on. Brent Orman's idea, but us being here, we got it going, and uh, and then the, uh, uh, the Greg Norman Foundation for juniors and all that, and I, I came along. Uh, Greg asked me, he said, "I'd like to lend my name to something." Well, that's good. Yeah, but uh, he came along. I said, "Right, I've got." So I rang Bill Kennedy, who was the CEO of the Queensland Golf Union. So. I said, right, he said, I'm coming down there this afternoon. He said, you think about something. I said, I'll have a think about it too. That's right. Now, he gets down here, first thing he asked, he said, I, I can't talk without rum and coke. <laughs> Queenslander. <laughs> the old Morton Bay porridge and the old bloody black wrestler, and the old bloody, oh, he's into it again. So, anyway, they said, well, what do you come up with? I said, well, I know we've got the Gary Player for the young fellas. We haven't got anything for girls to any great degree, uh, all that. And uh, and so he said, uh, so we could have something with a combination or something we'd do to get them all included. He said, right out. He said, I was sitting on the Bricky Creek Bridge, the old rickety bridge we had there, and he said, come to me. He said, we'll have a Greg Norman Junior Foundation. Because he said, you know, like that one they got over in Western Australia, Graham Marsh. Mm-hmm. We'll go on that. Oh, that's, that sounds great. So I rang Greg and we got together. So we got everything organised and Greg and Billy and uh, had a dinner here, uh, lunch and other. And uh, Merv, Greg's father, was, wasn't here, so he was over in Turkey somewhere. So we had a meeting and we said, well, we'll make Merv president of the Greg Norman Foundation. <laughs> He'd never forgive me. He for wasn't it. there. <laughs> it's a classic. It's a classic golf club. How'd you become the president? I was the only one that didn't turn up. That's right. Yeah. So anyhow, that was, that's really good. And uh, anyhow, so no, no one to bore old Merv went bloody bald. And he pulled all his hair out, trying to get Greg organised. And that's trying to organise COVID. Um, yeah. Anyhow, he's that busy doing things. And now we've got to go. And he went, well, that's... We started all these other things from it. So that, that's... Really, the, the baseline for you has always been growing the game, hasn't it? Yes. Like, just getting the best out of people to Everybody. enjoy Everybody. the game. Everybody. Yep. Uh, Who's the best you've ever seen? The best golfer? Best hitter of a golf ball, I've, I've got to say, Greg Norman. The best golfer? Just, just so many wonderful... Things have happened in life, and uh, and for me to say, I was very the people I wanted to see, like I wanted to meet Bob Menzies and Sir Robert, I wanted to meet uh, Ben Hogan. Never. I've met just about the other people, the people that I wanted to. So I can't. Like Sam Snead, 
wonderful. But I, I didn't see him until after he's sort of when he's coming down and turned, knocked around with Peter Thompson, Kelvin Nagel, and all those wonderful people, and Bruce Devlin and uh, Gary Player, and and I played with Arnold Palmer and and Jack Nicholas and the Tiger Woods, and and, and with our girls, mm. and really you know, the the best player, I think, really, when when to put pen to pencil and work it out, I think Kari Webb is it's, uh, best player, scorer that came out, but nobody hit the ball like Greg Norman. Yeah. So, I mean, what what was it about Greg? That was it his work ethic? Was it his? Or was it just a fundamentally brilliant athlete? I think brilliant athlete. Really, he. But he, he didn't say that. He he was good at. Like casting and fishing rod that one, then he's casting this way. And then, uh, uh, Tennyson, then they played AFL football and all that sort of stuff. And uh, when, he's a, when he's a kid, and he was good in the snooker and good in the billiards and good. Just good. Yeah, he was. It, so, what did you teach him in a swing sense? What, what I did you teach him anything in a swing you sense? You must have taught him. You must have just made little adjustments. Yeah. You probably do, as you do. When, as I said to this kid last night, I said, You've got a good swing, but do you play up? And when you get down to single figures and you're getting down towards scratch, like if you didn't have a decent swing, you wouldn't be able to get there. Mm. So we bit taught things. I, 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 the best exhibition I, the thing that influenced me with with him was without practising on that, and, and he's hitting this bloody ball and it's blowing a bit. So I, I said to him, Greg, we've got to learn to get the ball down lower. Just as I was walking past, I said, we need to get it down lower. Because I said, if you get into England or Scotland somewhere and hit the ball that high, you're going to end up in Paris. <laughs> so he said, yeah. He said, I'll be able to do it. And Tom McNaughton. <laughs> so, did, so did he did, did, did he listen? Oh, yeah, he listened, but he always had an argument. Yeah, OK. So I taught most of them to argue. <laughs> are you, so you always, you, are you, were you always right? And then they were always right as yeah, well. well. Yeah, yeah, yes. And then we'd sort it out. And I'll just that, that, I'll tell you the story. Mm. Tom McNaughton was over there hitting balls. He's a Scotsman. So I, I, I said, Tom, you got a minute? He, hey, okay, I got a minute. Over he comes. Then I said, when you play, how many opens you played? He said, oh, I said, I'll be authority three. So he, I said, now, do you have to keep the ball low when the wind is blowing? Ah, he said, you need to be getting a quail, eh? And Greg said, what did he say? I said, he said, you've got to keep the bloody ball down low. With other words, of course. So, anyhow, way we start. So I showed him how to punch it, how to fade it, how to draw it, how to keep it down low. And it's a shot you're going to play under pressure. It's only three-quarter swing and you just you lean on the ball and you, you give it down low. The wind doesn't affect it at all. And it's a good, it's the best shot when the wind is behind you, because it'll, it'll check. So he, that was about 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He came out early, because he did a half day off the next day. Then he came in, about, he'd been out practising again, and on the Wednesday morning it was. And he came out of the shop, he said, I've got this, come and have a look. And he had it. Right. And that particular shot made him but he won the Piccadilly. He won the... Uh, uh, came third in the... Queenstown Open. Then he went down, won in Adelaide, and then he went over to Japan. And he, he had a, he, it. It got him, and he, he was the master of the punch shot. Right. And I learned it off uh, probably Sam Richardson in Sydney, but, but got this bloody punch shot, and even you know, my old boss, and not Vaughn, uh, Reg, Reg used to teach instead of Vaughn. And uh, it, 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 it made him. Did, did you... So you said you played with Nicholas and you played with Tiger and Arnold Palmer. Did they, did, did they ever ask oh, you... No, I did, never played with Tiger. You, I never played oh, okay. with Nick, I played with Arnold. I played with, okay, but you saw them play. I played with, with Arnold and I played with Gary Player. Yeah. Did they ever but, ask you and no. say, hey, Charlie, do you see... No. It doesn't work that way, does it? No, no they just, they've got their plans, those guys. They don't. You, you look at them when they're playing in tournaments. You watch them when they're playing in tournaments, they, 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 might, they look at the ball and they see the flight and see if the wind's affects it or anything. They don't look at the swing. 
And that's what I taught these boys. You don't look at their swings. You look at the, what club they might be using and then you just switch off and watch the impact of the ball being hit and then the, whatever the shot that they played. But you look at their swing, no. Don't look at anybody else's swing. You've got one swing to worry about and that's yours. Right. Do you, do you is, it a, um, is it a habit for you to just look at everyone's swing? I do because I'm a coach. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't look at everybody along this. Don't have a look at them, yeah. Yeah. And you can't help it, can you? No, it's just, just instinctive to, for me. But, I mean, it might be if you were standing there looking at somebody, you might be down the practice fairway and you might see a tiger might be hitting balls. You might go and have a look and just see, but well, he's not doing anything different to me. It's just the power of his brain. Oh, the power of the, the timing of the feeling that he's got. You don't try to swing like him. No. What about the, the, the... You haven't mentioned feelings, so what about the feel of, like, being in the in the groove of the game or in the, you know, what percentage of the feels for playing well? Yeah, you'll get one day there. You could go out there on Thursday and you could hit that ball and you could feel as though you hit it in the hole. You got, you've got some pace and feel it. Come out next Friday, <laughs> you think, what's happened here? <laughs> so what this is, it's a mongrel game. Yeah. But it just takes your mind off everything else. Yeah. That's why I think Putin and uh, all these people should play golf. Yeah. Well, Trump's a golfer. Oh, yeah. Well, Trump's going to 17 golf courses, doesn't he? Yeah. He's got plenty of holes to bugger up on. <laughs> what, um, just to finish, what, what, what's the one thing that we should all leave golf with? Like, by the time I finish playing golf, whenever that is, what should I have experienced above all else? I think when you go through, uh, this is what we taught, teach the young and upcoming. When you go to bed every night playing, you play the golf course. Play, like Rossi Pickford used to play first six holes. Then he, then he, in his mind, he'd have to be one over, one under, or something like that. Then, he, then he's got a good basic thing for. Then to say, right, when you're finished, you go to bed. <laughs> then you think, what a sh- terrible day I've had. Then go along and say, now, the shot that caused that hole to be played badly was because I hit this bad wood. Or I hit this bad- Why did I hit that bad wood? Because I wasn't concentrating. I wasn't with it. Now, if I hadn't made sure, because I say to everybody, nobody in the world has been born. It might have been, and when I go to heaven, because they're looking for somebody to throw out, <laughs> I'm taking a golf club and two balls, and when I see Jesus, I'm going to say, yeah, have a go at this, <laughs> see how good he was. And, and, and so that when we're going through that and, and find out that the hardest shot in golf is hitting it straight. So you don't try to hit the ball straight because you don't know whether it's going to go left or right. But you hit the ball and it keeps going to the right all the time or it keeps going to the left all the time, you know where it's going. And if it does go straight, it's not in trouble. And now everybody's trying to hit it straight. They're doing it back to front. Right. To work with what you've got. Yes. Yeah, it's like Ivan Tate. He's down at the bloody Royal Melbourne one day and I said, how you going, bud? Oh, he said, I lost my draw. I said, well, let's go. He said, what, what about my draw? I said, let's go and have a putt. He said, what about my draw? I said, what about everybody playing with it? He said, I've got a fade. I said, well, play with a fade. <laughs> so he played with a fade, and, and as I said, it'll gradually straighten up after you lose something and relax. Shot 70. Right. So around that Royal Melbourne. It doesn't, it's not there for anybody's pleasure that day. With that, um, with coaching, so now when you look at the tour and you, they show the uh, the range prior, and there'll be a coach or two coaches, there'll be a golf club guy and a, the, the company man, and so were you one of those coaches who would turn up and stand there behind Norman on the driving range and work on this? And no, no, I just say that, and I'd, I'd just ask him, uh, him or whoever it might be, just uh, happy, everything feels okay. And they just say yes or no, and then would shut up. 
so they could concentrate. Yeah. But these blokes, buddy, yak, 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 all the time, driving them nutty nuts. So I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd stand there for two hours and mightn't say much at all. Mm. But then he, the Bill Fergie, or sorry, I keep looking at that phone, uh, that hit a bad shot on purpose to see if you're still there. <laughs> right. So, see if you're alert. Mm. Um, I, I never used to, like, if they weren't able to do it, they wouldn't be there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Keeping them under control, keeping their pace, and because, as you know, when you when you're hitting the ball, well, you, you usually pick up another twenty metres or something, and you, you fly a green or something like that. It just where'd that come from? Yeah, that's right. It, that's again. Mm. That's the, well, Charlie, look, it's been a real pleasure, like a genuine pleasure to meet you and to talk to you and thank you for your time and also everything you've done for golf it's been this this is a true privilege andrew thank you very much for those lovely words but it'll keep going on and let's hope there's some there's, there's plenty more out there and i hope your golf improves <laughs> so <you> a <laughs> what a coincidence good on you charlie thank you thank you Charlie Earp, just brilliant, a genuine, like a genuine privilege, like a true privilege to be able to uh, sit down and spend some time with someone like that, with that knowledge. And then, of course, afterwards, someone said, did he tell you the story about Arnold Palmer? And did he tell you the story about, and I was thinking, he didn't. So he's got so many stories to share, which he does in normal conversation, but that was about him and his life. And I really hope you enjoyed it. So thanks to Charlie Earp and we'll have more on golf another time. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 